Hello everyone, paranormalists, fringe dwellers, my fellow travelers on the road to and from the strange and unusual. Welcome to Paranormal Tower. Come on up, sit down, relax, get comfortable. I have a story to tell you. paranormal is universal. We may have different names for it, we may interpret it differently and allow it a different place in our lives, but the interest is universal. The world is broad and mysterious, if you allow it to be. Gaurav Tiwari was a man of means. He came from a wealthy family and had spent part of his childhood and youth pursuing a singing and acting career. Ultimately, in 2007, he moved from India to Florida to study to become a commercial pilot. Like most other things he tried his hand at, he was successful. It was while he was a student in the United States that he had a, an experience that changed his focus. In Florida, he rented a house with four other students. During his stay there, he experienced strange phenomena, including phantom footsteps, disembodied voices, and objects moving of their own accord. All of these are consistent with poltergeist activity. Most are also consistent with mental illness, but Tawari's roommates also experienced these things. One of them, in fact, reportedly saw a spectral image of a young girl. These experiences changed the trajectory of Tawari's life and perhaps led to his untimely and early death. Unable to explain the phenomena that he experienced, Tawari became an ardent student of the paranormal and pursued it doggedly. Upon returning home after his studies, a pilot now, Tawari devoted most of his private time to the paranormal. His interests were broad, but he focused on spirits, demons, and UFOs. His passion took him all over the world. Finally, in 2009, he founded the India Paranormal Society and performed hundreds of investigations in his homeland. Not one to rest on his laurels, he pursued a doctoral study in metaphysical humanist science, and he possessed certifications as a spiritual counselor, hypnotist, and a life and relationship coach from the Institute of Metaphysical Science in Florida. He was also an ordained minister for the Metaphysical Church of Humanistic Science. He was also a cartoonist, a singer, a writer. Obviously, he was a person driven by many interests and passions. But the one that drove him hardest was his interest in the paranormal. His evenings were spent in dark, abandoned forts, old castles, sites of massacres and battles. His job afforded him the opportunity to travel, and he took advantage of it to feed his curiosity. In every country and in every city that he visited, he chased the stories of the strange, the arcane, and the haunted. A good-looking young man, Gaurav had at one time harbored ambitions of fame. If not Bollywood, then at least MTV. And his passion for the unusual opened doors for him there, too. All along, his family found his interests unusual and off-putting, but they never worried about it too much. While he was dedicated to his career and his passion, 
he never seemed to tip into obsession. Because he was a world traveler, he knew many people and was afforded opportunities to explore many, many areas with many, many groups. He became a caseworker and an integral part of a paranormal team in Australia. He was widely known for his interests, and because of that, he was often featured on television shows dedicated to the paranormal. For six years, he hopped from place to place, exploring and interacting with the unknown, climbing through tunnels, broken down hovels, and wide expanses of space that others dared not wander into. He viewed his world through the night vision camera that became the tools of his trade. Respected by his peers, he was also ambitious, and he wanted to broaden both his knowledge and his impact. His studies were wide and varied. More than a paranormalist, he was a spiritual pursuer who saw a world of both light and dark actors playing out on a stage. He became an ordained minister to allow him to form certain rites. Clearly, he was committed to his passion. His family supported him as they could, and in 2016, he married his longtime girlfriend. She was aware of his studies and his obsessive devotion to the spiritual and paranormal. After they married, Tawari continued as before, despite a little consternation on his bride's behalf. She had thought, perhaps, that once they were married, he would devote less time to the paranormal. But it was not a major issue for them. That is until Tawari began to divulge a strange feeling that he was starting to experience, a feeling of darkness that crept in from time to time. He was becoming aware of forces outside of him that were moving in closer and closer, becoming more and more oppressive. They were surrounding him, he shared. These dark forces or entities frightened him in a broad, casual way at first. As time went by, and he felt them attaching to him more and more, he felt under attack. Tuari's paranormal pedigree, if taken at face value, is impressive. His CV boasts of more than 6,000 haunted sites. That seems nearly, if not entirely, impossible, but certainly he did visit many haunted places. Is it possible that along the way he picked up a spiritual hitchhiker or a pilot fish or some kind of paranormal virus? Something that rode along with him, at first unnoticeable, but then pricking the skin just enough to infect him. Forts that he went to had seen thousands of deaths, yet he found no evidence of spirits there, or at least he claimed not to. Lands long thought cursed that he visited and slept on. Finally, finally. Like most cultures, India has a past and current belief in demons, spirits, and other elemental figures. Depending on where you're from, they can be believed accountable for many of life's misfortunes, including naturally occurring ones. However, there's no evidence that Tuari was unduly under the spell of arbitrary superstition. He was a man pursuing knowledge based on his experience and developing belief system. Still, cultural influences cannot be completely ignored. In 2016, Tawari showed no signs of slowing down. Still, his lingering doubts about his own safety and his growing certainty that a darkness was coming for him did not dissipate. A risk taker at his core, he continued to investigate, putting himself out there wherever possible. In July of 2016, he took on a peculiar and serious case. 
This time it was that of a young girl in New Delhi. She had classic signs of possession, and Tawari was charged with helping her. He met with her several times, becoming more and more depressed after each session. Still, he wanted to help her. Just after their last meeting, he came home to the house that he shared with his wife and in-laws, late, close to 1 a.m. He stopped to speak with his father-in-law, exhausted and quiet, but not unduly so. Before returning to his bedroom, he spoke to his wife as well. Everything seemed normal, if subdued. She was annoyed that he was home late, and yet everything seemed okay. Everything seemed okay until it wasn't okay. The following morning, Tawari woke up and he followed his regular routine, including answering emails. Around 10 a.m., he went into the bathroom. Later, around 11 a.m., his family became concerned that he wasn't responding. The door was locked from the inside. They broke in. And there he was, sprawled on the bathroom floor. He was dead. The police initially believed that it had to be foul play. A thin black string was wound tightly around his neck, and it had led to his asphyxiation. The coil that tightened the string was at the back of his neck. It seemed unlikely, in fact outlandish, to suggest that someone could possibly continue to tighten a cord in such a manner on their own neck as he or she would most likely pass out before being able to fully shut off the air. The string, as it was called, was tightened and knotted. First, homicide seemed the obvious choice because of the method, and also because Tawari had exhibited no signs of significant depression beyond that of the usual. His family was adamant that he was not suicidal. But then, how does one explain that there was no sign of anyone else in the bathroom? And the door was locked from the inside. Of course, it's easy to lock a doorknob and then pull it behind you. When the autopsy came back, it was ruled that he had died by manual asphyxiation. He had been strangled. But the report also came back with the finding of suicide. For days, the story went back and forth with newspapers and newscasts arguing. There was some talk of a phone call from a mysterious figure and dark figure seen about the house. Ultimately, suicide was accepted by the authorities as the official cause of death, but it was never fully accepted by the public. The headlines blared, famed ghost hunter dies under mysterious circumstances, and there was an outpouring of grief from the paranormal community, but no one in that community ever acknowledged it as a suicide. Instead, his claims of a darkness pulling him was mentioned. What is it then when a darkness takes a life? Do we automatically chalk that up to mental illness or emotional instability? Do we automatically call it depression? What happened in that bathroom? Is it possible that a dark intellect, a dark mind, a dark being separate from Tawari was able to influence Tawari's mind and his body to such a degree that he kept twisting a thin string around his own neck until he not only passed out, but died? If it was something that possessed his mind, are we then giving it a pass? Are we turning a blind eye to legitimate phenomena and leaving ourselves defenseless through an unwillingness to believe? Or was the only demon attacking him that of his obsession and passion? 
was it his belief instead that was the culprit? We'll never know. But those of us who seek new knowledge must always do so in the dark. And in the dark, well, you never know what's waiting for you. You have been listening to Paranormal Tower with me, Kathy Kelly. Remember, Paranormal Tower is a real place in Asbury Park's historic downtown district, and you can visit it and come in contact with a lot of the artifacts that we talk about in our podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, first of all, thank you so much for your time and for your consideration. It would be a huge help to us if you could give us a five-star review, and if you could share information about our podcast on any of your social media accounts. You can also follow us on social media, at Paranormal Tower on Facebook, at Paranormal Tower on Instagram, and at ParanormalNJ on Twitter. If you have a story that you'd like to share with us, and believe me, I would love to hear any of your stories, please feel free to give us a call at 732-737-9212. That's a special hotline specifically for stories of the paranormal. And you can also send us an email to mystoryatparanormaltower.com. You can also visit us online at paranormaltower.com or www.paranormalbooksnj.com. Remember, guys, we're really here. We do this 24-7. We love to hear from you. And this is the stuff that we love as much as you do. And so until we meet again, remember, keep your eyes, your ears, but most importantly, your mind wide open. Take care.